on the virtual Bible study tonight. I'm going to be careful about what I say tonight. Yeah, you need to be careful because we're going to be talking about misuse of the tongue, how we can, should control our tongues. Basically, we're going to talk about sins of the tongue and some and and some challenges we face in really, I think, one of the greatest tests of our spiritual maturity. And maybe one of the most applicable topics tonight of any that we cover. I think, you know, on a given topic, someone say, yeah, well, that doesn't really affect me. I don't think anybody can say this doesn't affect them. All right. We're going to get into the discussion. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome the program this is the virtual bible study for thursday october 4th 2018 my name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Kyle's behind the controls tonight. Kyle, what is this, five weeks in a row or six? Yeah, I've lost count. It's good uh, to be here. All right, good to have you here. <laughs> Kyle's and, schedule has changed and freed him up every Thursday night, and we're just taking advantage of him. Monty's a little sore about it, though. <laughs> oh, is he? We'll have to squeeze Monty in here. Okay, at some all right. Point. All right, we're glad that you're on the other end of the line, and we uh, look forward to hearing from you tonight at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And in the chat room, uh, to the bottom of your video feed, if you're watching us uh, live on the program tonight. If you're listening to us in the podcast, we remind you, we want to hear from you anytime you may be listening to this program, whether it's this week, uh, three weeks from now, three years from now, whenever it may be. Send us an email to questions at collegeu.com if you'd like to discuss any of these topics we discuss in further detail, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, questions at collegeview.com. Yeah, we want you to send in your questions. If it's something that we could do a whole program on, we'll be glad to do that. Or if it's just something that maybe would take a few minutes to discuss, we like those kind of questions, too, because what we typically do is compile them into uh, what we call the smorgasbord program. We just cover several of those questions, and I, we really enjoy that, and our listeners tend to enjoy that. So send us a question that you think would be important to discuss on the Virtual Bible Study. And it doesn't have to be a question you don't know the answer to, just something you think would make a worthy discussion. All right. Uh, yeah, that is an uh, excellent uh, suggestion. We want to hear from you. Questions at collegeview.com. And we'll remind you, those bumper stickers are still available. If you'd like to help us get the word out, Send an email with your snail mail address, and you can use your back window of your car to help us uh, spread the word. Yes, I'm not a Facebook person, but I think you could help us spread the word. If you are a Facebook person, uh, go to the Virtual Bible Study on Facebook and and uh, share that with your friends on your Facebook page and kind of kind of spread it out, disseminate that information on Facebook. All right. All right, so tonight's topic is, uh, well, 826 has suggested it is a timely topic. Uh, 826 says, thank you for the timely topic today. It's timely anytime, I think, uh, to talk about uh, the tongue and how we control our tongue. tongue. Yeah, controlling our tongue is the theme for our discussion tonight. And obviously, in the course of that discussion, we want to talk about some of the sins that we commit with our tongues. But let's start out this way. Here's the... Here's the questions we sent to our update list earlier today. Always tell you, get on our list. If you're not, we, we just keep getting requests from people. Put it, put me on your list, and that's all you got to do. Just put that either in your subject line or in the body of, a t- of an email to questions at collegeview.com. Is that why I'm getting all that spam? I don't think so. Oh, you're not, um, you're not spamming people. No, we don't spam. We okay. send out two emails a week. Oh, that's right. Are you really getting spam? No, not oh, from oh, you. Oh. I mean, yeah, everybody gets spam, but not from you. Okay, we send out. And yeah, two... you're not selling, you're not giving those addresses away? No, no, we're okay. not giving them to anybody right. else. But we'll send you the update on Thursdays about our program that night, and then we'll send you on Tuesdays. Typically, we send out uh, an email version of our weekly church bulletin with articles. You can uh, hopefully get some good of the, out of that. But, again, uh, if you don't have time to read them, just delete them. We'll send more next next week. Uh, but to our update le- list today, we ask these questions. Does the Bible supply a list of forbidden words? Okay. Forbidden words. Number two, what does the Bible say about profane things? Mm-hmm. 
And then we want to talk about some of the sins of the tongue. Lying, blasphemy, corrupt communication, filthiness, foolish talking, jesting, clamor, evil speaking, gossip, and slander. And then finally, how should we view the use of euphemisms? We'll talk about that at the end of the program tonight. All right. Uh, Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. 826 says, I was able to share with someone who I had previously discussed profanity with recently oh so he says it's timely for because he's been in that discussion yeah Yeah, thanks all right all right now we got an email from donna uh in florida and donna and she says i've always said that nothing is noisier than a tongue have you ever noticed that if you get dental work such as a removed tooth your tongue cannot leave the area alone no matter how hard you try it's like the tongue has a mind of its own. Kind of an interesting connection. I never really thought about that, but right. I, that's true. You know, you just have one little thing in your in, in your teeth. Your tongue is going to leak. And it's not noisier. It's nosier. Oh, it's nosier. Yeah, nosier. Oh, yeah, nosier. That's right. Nothing is nosier than the tongue. There I think you it, go. Uh, uh, when it comes to our words, we must get control of our tongues. Easier said than done. I struggle with this every day, but as more and more time goes by, I find it's easier to do. It's a bad habit that needs to be controlled like any sin. And she references James one twenty six. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religious religion is worthless. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Don. I think you're right. James does have a good bit to say about that. There in chapter one. But James also talks about the controlling of the tongue in James chapter 3, beginning verse 5. James says, The tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Uh, I think that just uh, uh, talks about how hard it is to control the tongue. Uh, uh, I probably should have included another verse or two right at the start of that of that context. Uh, James says in James chapter 3, verse 2, In many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And so James is saying this is this is really a test of spiritual maturity. If you can master the control of the tongue, <coughs> then you demonstrate that you have achieved a high level of spiritual maturity. You know what James is just saying here, though, that it's impossible. He says if you if you can do it, you're perfect. And we know that nobody's perfect. And then he says, you know, you can tame bees like you know, got lion tamers in the circus and stuff. But the tongue, nobody can tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You know, I, I'm just not going to be able to control this thing. Well, first of all, the word perfect there in, in James 3, verse 2, means full or complete or mature. So if you can control the tongue, you're a mature person. But notice he didn't say no, he didn't say no one can control the tongue. He said no one can tame the tongue. I've used an illustration about this before. You know, you go to the circus and you watch the lion tamer in the cage with the lions. And, and, even a lion, he's a lion tamer. He he can control. He can tame a lion, a fierce animal like a lion. He can tame that animal so he can actually turn his back on that animal. Maybe sometimes you see him pry their mouth open. He sticks his head inside the mouth of the lion. I'm not doing that, by the way. But but the lion tamer does that. A lion can be tamed so that he can turn his back on the lion. He doesn't have to watch him all the time because he's become somewhat tamed. The idea here is you can't ever turn your back on your tongue. In other words, you can never let down your guard. It can't be tamed. That doesn't say it can't be controlled, but it said it can't be tamed. And 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 there's a difference of meaning there. You can control it, but you're going to have to always work at controlling it. It's never going to be tamed to the point where you say, "Man, eh, I don't have to worry about that anymore." All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. You can't ever let your guard down. You say, "Yeah." I'm not going to be careful about what I say anymore because this thing's under control. Yeah. You're always going to have to watch what you say. And, of course, the, the real significance of it all is what Jesus said in Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37. He said, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That's just how important it is. I mean, this is nothing to be ignored or taken lightly. 
we have got to be in control of our tongue. Every idle word. Those are the words that, you, you know, your car's idling. It's not really doing this. That's really sort of insignificant, your car sitting there idling. But Jesus said we're going to be. Every idle word. Every, every idle, idle word. word. We're going to be yeah. held accountable for that. And, and, of course, I think the idle words there would suggest the idea of things said without control. Uh, that they're that they're not being watched, not being careful about what we say. All right, now we talk a lot about young people and challenges facing young people. This problem of controlling the tongue is it age specific? No, I, I don't think it's age specific. I think all of us, no matter how old we are, ha- have got this. Have you got a thought on that? Well, I just I just wonder if it isn't more of a challenge for those who are old. You know, you hear about old people tend to. As we get older, we tend to run our mouth a little bit more, maybe, huh? Possibly, you know? possibly. I mean, yeah, how many times have you heard someone that's older just sort I, of... I, I, I would think, though, that there's probably a, a, a tongue-related challenge at every, every age. age. yeah. Because young people are going to hear bad words course, and be tempted language, to imitate them. Now... I think probably when I was younger, that was a bigger challenge. I'm not real. I'm not real tempted to say those kind of bad words. You know, like a young person, or like I might have been when I was a young person. But as you say, when we get older, then maybe we have more of a challenge with gossip uh, or uh, idle talk or complaining, uh, murmuring, complaining. Uh, yeah. yeah, those kids get off my yard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know. So I think that there are probably age-related challenges. The, uh, concerning the Maybe. tongue at, at every every. What do you age. think in the chat room tonight? Is 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 this something that uh, very? Have you found it, that your tongue and the challenges of your tongue have changed over time? I really think I, I really think that media has made this a greater problem than it would have been some generations ago when media didn't exist. There's always been uh, clearly the Bible talks about it, so it's always been a problem. But we get we get bombarded. Uh, by the media with with bad talk uh and and then that cause that that kind of works on us i remember one summer i worked with a carpenter i was a sort of a carpenter's assistant this guy was really a good carpenter but he was the most prolific swearer i've ever been around he i think that he literally could not say a sentence without a cuss word in it yeah couldn't wish and his so, mom happy birthday without cussing her out. I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. And so I was around that all summer, every day. I'm going to tell you, by the end of the summer, my resistance to those words had worn down. Those words were popping into my mind. And I wasn't one who typically said those kind of things. But, but by being exposed to it all the time, yeah. then those words were... Uh, uh, popping up in your uh, train of thought and and i use that to illustrate what i think the uh the culture has done through media is that they've brought brought down the threshold and 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 it's more of a temptation to use the kind of speech that the bible would condemn because of media you're hearing it all the time yeah yeah especially well we'll talk about it here i think uh the lord's name in vain or various euphemisms associated with that uh, that seems to be the common uh, thing. You hear it constantly, Kyle, in the media. God's name being taken in vain, whether oh, someone's yeah. surprised, whether yeah. they're happy, whether they're scared, whether they're disappointed, whatever it may be, God's name is used in vain. Um, you hear it so often that it gets in your mind. Oh, yeah. well, years ago, I've uh, <laughs> I know it's it's not cartoons that no one should be watching. It's they're on the kids watch. It's years ago, but. They would uh, let anything with God pass by, but they would bleep out everything else. But they would let those the name of God go. Oh yeah, they through. would. Which they were saying they were saying other things with the name of God, but they were just letting those. Just that's fine. We're not going to say. Actually, I, I think one cartoon actually bleeped the name of Jesus, but they. It's, they had no reservation oh, about yeah. misusing God's name. No, no absolutely not. Yeah. All right. That's our world today. Well, talk, let's grab a break, Jacob, and when we come back, let's ask this question. What's Okay, so i got to be careful with my words. Give me a list of words I can't say. Oh, wow. Let's see about that list. Uh, if you got thoughts about that, uh, share them in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. 
We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration, there it stands. The flames are kindled against it, there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it, there it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment, there it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away, there it stands. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Do a little more each day than you think you possibly can. Abraham Lincoln said, I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and I mean to keep on doing so until the end. I asked, why doesn't somebody do something? Then I realized that I was somebody. A man is known by the company he keeps and also by the company that he avoids. Be content with what you have, but never with what you are. Man, wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about sins of the tongue and controlling the tongue. And the Bible's very explicit on uh, the challenges that we all face. None of us, I believe, is immune. Uh, None of us can say that we've got this under control and we don't have to worry about it. We have to keep on guard. And uh, we're talking about that on the program tonight in order to maybe encourage us to be a little bit more diligent. You know, the Bible warns, obviously, as we've said, about misusing our tongue, but it doesn't. So, you know, we ask the question, is there a list of forbidden words? And the Bible doesn't specify which words are avoid are to be avoided, uh, with the possible exception of God's name that we're going to talk about as we get into our study. But you think about that, that would be an almost impossible task. Words come and go, meanings oh, yeah. attached to words change over time yeah yeah. uh the words become bad because of of a connotation that's associated with it by society yeah you can think about benign words that have over time they're 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 vile now yeah and so you know uh, as you can imagine god in his wisdom would not try to establish a list of because every language would be different and what i think even the bible has been translated into 1700 different languages around the world i mean how could you possibly come up with a list of forbidden words the bible makes no attempt to do that maybe a proof of some inspiration there you know if you were going to write if you were just going to make up a, a, a book of instructions you probably would tend to get into the specifics yeah but uh god didn't do that maybe a proof of inspiration there uh, Kent in the in Calhoun, Georgia. He's been out of pocket here the last several days and weeks, and has missed being a part of the program. We've missed you, Kent. Missed your emails. Uh, looking forward to you being uh, part of our discussions in the future. We're hoping to get him on live here one of these days yeah, soon. All right. And uh, Kent says the scripture does the scriptures does not uh, specify a specific list of forbidden words. When one considers the development and concept of language, such would make a specific list virtually impossible. He's saying the same thing you said. He said, however, there are eternal principles in general and New Testament principles in particular that individuals can and often do violate when they speak. When such violations occur, one becomes guilty of sin, Colossians 3, verse 17. I agree. Thank I you, think Kent. that's exactly right, Kent. So, uh, sorry, there is no list. But, you know, I think most people know the words. Uh, unfortunately, we've heard them. And, and even at a young age, when we hear someone, because bad words are typically sort of whispered under the breath. Oh, yeah. Or spoken in rage, maybe, in a shout. But there's something, I mean, I think bad speech is identifiable in context. And we we begin to learn pretty early on what are the words to be avoided. Uh, It it might be the case that, you know, if we were to move to another part of the world, we might have to relearn what some of the words are that we shouldn't be saying. uh, uh, Harold Comer, a, a gospel preacher, Harold Comer, that many of our listeners probably know or know of, uh, he told the story about moving to Australia. He and his wife moved to Australia, and he preached there for a few years. And uh, shortly after they had arrived, he 
uh, went to church on, on the Lord's Day and his wife was not with him. And he reported to the brethren that she was under the weather. He, there were some raised eyebrows and he didn't quite understand why. The next week she was still ill and he said again that she was under the weather. And then finally the brethren had to tell him that in Australia, under the weather means drunk. <laughs> and so he had been reporting to the church for two weeks that his wife wasn't there because she was home drunk. Yeah. Uh, so you get the idea that even in English, in a different place than what we're used to, there could be a different meaning attached to words. And, and it's, it, it, it would be our obvious desire to know if, know if there's an, a meaning attached to a word that has an evil connotation we need to know that and avoid it. I did something similar in, in a pulpit in Florida one time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I used a phrase that we would use here, and they have a similar phrase down there, but they don't say it the same way. <laughs> it was it was very inappropriate. <laughs> and uh, when I said it, I saw the kids about to fall out under out of their pew laughing because I'd said this thing I shouldn't have said. So <laughs> don't say it again. Don't say it again. <laughs> All right. All right. So, obviously, there's no such list. What about... The idea of profanity in general. We ask the question, where's my list of questions here? We ask, what does the Bible say about profane things? Uh, Kent says the term profane comes from the Greek word bebelos and is properly defined as that which lacks all relationship or affinity with God. It is a term that is used that denotes uncleanness. Such would therefore necessitate sinfulness. Profane speaking would be the use of words that would either indicate ungodliness or unrighteousness. Um, I think Kent is e- exactly right, and that is, in fact, the Greek word, bebelos, uh, and, and it is to be, uh, you know, we, we've got to be careful about that. Um, um, we want to show respect um and uh um we one of the very significant ways in which we show respect is by the way we address people the things we say and so we want to be respectful and and to be profane is just literally the opposite of that yes um it's in other words it, there's some lines there's some boundaries that need to be in our speech there's some places we don't go in our discussions in our conversations that we we set up boundaries so that that's crossing the line that's yeah. getting into an area that i don't have any business talking about exactly right and i don't think there are a lot of boundaries in speech in our society today you hear no. things that people talk about that uh that, that crosses the line and and used to maybe it was uh just the the guys that were talking about it and if any women walked up they'd they pull back and they yeah. not be talking about it. Now, there's no respect. I mean, it's anybody. And any women audience. will use those words, too. In the audience, any subject matter, yeah. It, there are no there are no lines. Uh, again, that Greek word, I had a note here, and I was trying to find I found it finally. Uh, Babelos is, is rendered profane twice in the New Testament. Matthew 12, 5, Acts 24, verse 6. It is defined as, quote, to cause something highly revered to be come identified with the commonplace to violate sanctity, to desecrate, to profane. And so it's taking something that uh, is should be held in, in reverence and making it commonplace. That's going to, when we talk here in a minute about using God's name in vain, that's very much going to be part of that. Yeah, the definition I'm looking at here is, well, maybe it literally means accessible as by crossing the doorway or the threshold. Yeah. Uh, in other words, there, there's some things, you, there's some things, some places you shouldn't go, they, some lines that you shouldn't cross, and you need to keep certain things uh, uh, sacred and other things you need to leave alone. All right, well, let's start into this list of some of the specific things we need to avoid. And, and I think probably if you were to take a survey of people, one of the things that they would jump on immediately, a, a, a sin of the tongue, something we need to control, would be lying. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And so specifically, we're to avoid lying. Uh, I had a bullet point. I think it may have been just last week or the week before where it talked about a survey. No, I think it wasn't a bullet point. 
or was it or was it one of the trends? It may have been just in our trends when we were tracking trends. A survey said that 90% of Americans cannot engage in a 10-minute conversation without telling a lie. I think that was one of your trends, if and, I remember and, correctly. And then, and then what made that even worse is that those who do, among those who do tell lies in a 10-minute conversation, they usually tell three lies in a 10-minute conversation. Wow. And so that just tells you, I mean, how bad it is. Uh, I would hope that all who identify as children of God are, are certainly the exception to that what appears to be a general trend in our society of people lying. Yeah, hey, that certainly is a shocking trend. Um, uh, and sadly, maybe uh, is a trend among folks who want to claim to be Christians as well. But the instruction is very clear there that this line needs to be put away. And you do that simply by, as it says, speaking truth with your neighbor. We we have, the we have and everybody knows this, we, uh, a point that's been made forever that there's no difference in lies in other words i can't say well you know when when the politicians in washington dc lie their lies are horrible big black nasty lies uh if i tell a lie you know we even describe it a little white lie well there's no such distinction in the bible and we remember that revelation 21 verse 8 says all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone and so we just need to get rid of that. We need to be, we need to be people who are absolutely honest, never, never tell a lie, uh, never speak in a way to deceive or mislead people. Our, our, uh, the old expression used to be, a word needs to be our bond. If we say it, it's true, and everybody knows that about us, and we have no reputation otherwise. Kent uh, says uh, references the Greek word here for a lie, pseudos. We under, we see uh, what that root word is there. He said that is that which is a falsehood. Such may be stated in an outright manner, or be a misapplication of words where one intends to deceive. This teacher, the scriptures teach that such is sinful. Revelation two twenty one eight and Colossians three, verse nine. So, I mean, that's an obvious first one. We need to avoid lying. Uh, you know, usually, usually there's a motivation. If I'm tempted to lie, it's because by telling the lie, I might gain an advantage or, or cover up a mistake I've made or something along that line. And, and so we, we just gotta, we gotta work on our hearts, uh, because there's, there's, there's something corrupt and wrong in our heart if we'd be inclined to lie. Uh, I like what uh, Jesus said about uh, Nathaniel in John, uh, John chapter 1, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Wouldn't that be uh, something we all ought to aim yeah, for? That, yeah, so have that, that kind of reputation. would say we have, there's no guile in us. Uh, it's not our purpose to get off onto a discussion of situation ethics tonight, but, you know, situation ethics tends toward lying and so in 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 situation ethics a person said well it's okay to tell a lie if it's told to protect someone uh to save someone from being mm-hmm. having hurt feelings oh, or right. something like that. yeah uh you know the old andy griffith show was famous for that andy i mean in fact uh, as as old of a show as that was and, and lots of us enjoyed watching it if you sit back with a critical eye Andy told lots of lies to protect Barney from having his feelings hurt. Those statistics you're telling about there, Andy was telling lies at least every 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, but, but it was considered okay because it was protecting someone's. That's situation ethics, and we're not going to talk about situation ethics tonight. But in it is a, it is one of the motivations for being dishonest with our speech. All right. We're going to get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion talking about some things that we need to avoid with our tongue. Up next is blasphemy. Uh, That's an important one. We want to talk about it, and we want to get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Romans 8, verse 16 says, quote, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, unquote. The big question is, of course, how does he do this? There are many that would suggest that the Spirit bears witness by means of some better felt than told experience. 
Usually we're given an account of some episode that left the person with an overwhelming emotional feeling. Because of this experience, the person claims salvation and is certain it was the work of the Spirit that caused it all to happen. There are some problems with this approach. First, as we study the cases of conversion in the New Testament, we find not a single case of an individual who was saved through such an experience. In cases where individuals actually had supernatural experiences, they still had to hear the word and obey its commands. Consider Saul in Acts 9, Cornelius in Acts 10, the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, and so forth. Also, we're puzzled by the fact that various individuals who claim to have experienced this confirmation of the Spirit have differing views on fundamental doctrinal issues. We wonder how that could be if they are truly receiving some action directly from the Holy Spirit. Do you see the problem? So how does the Spirit bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God? How can we have this confidence and confirmation of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit, through inspiration, produced the written Word of God. When we compare our lives with that perfect revelation, we're able to see if we have done those things that are commanded in order to be a child of God. Have you believed? Hebrews 11.6 Repented of sins? Luke 13.3 Confessed faith in Christ? Romans 10.10 Been baptized for the remission of sins? Acts 2.38 Do you continue to faithfully serve the Lord? Revelation 2 verse 10 If so, the Spirit bears witness through the Scriptures that you are a child of God. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And better yet, come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting place and a time of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And We'll remind you to send us an email, drop us a line, just tell us you're out there. We'd like to know that you're listening. Uh, questions at collegeview.com. Um, so the next one on our list that we sent out, sins of the tongue, things to be avoided, uh, was blasphemy. Yes. Um, Thayer says that blasphemy is impious, disrespectful, reproachful speech concerning deity. Now, I think you could... I think you could probably use that term in a more general way. You know, if you if, if you spoke against maybe a governmental official, it might you might could that word might uh, be used in that context. Although it's not used that way in the scriptures, uh, we're warned about speaking evil of dignities and so forth. Uh, but uh, in the Bible, typically it's it's a, a disrespectful, reproachful, impious speech that regards God. Uh, uh, Kent says it refers to contemptuous railing speech. And he uses, gives an example of Jesus in Mark chapter three. We won't take time to Mark chapter three, beginning verse 22. You remember the context. They came, they they accused Jesus of casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub. Right. Uh, And Jesus said, you know, that, that actually doesn't even make sense. If Satan is casting out his, demons by the power of satan it's a house divided house divided cannot stand and all of that sort of thing um but jesus said of course jesus was doing that jesus was casting out demons by the power of the holy spirit and he warned that he that shall blaspheme against the holy ghost shall never uh, never have forgiveness is in danger of eternal damnation and so that so they were they were speaking against the power by which Jesus was doing these miracles, and the power by which Jesus was doing the miracles was the Holy Spirit. So they were speaking contemptuously of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that's blasphemy, uh, and so um, that, that sort of gives us a handle on that word. And I think in the Bible, almost if not unanimously, almost every instance it has to do with speaking against deity. Uh, there's a lot of that going on in the world today. Yeah. Explain how you think that's happening. Well, uh, for instance, in Exodus 20, verse 7, when the Ten Commandments are being listed, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And so that to take the Lord's name in vain is to use it contemptuously, Im- impiously. In other words, it's, we should have a pious reverence for the, for God and the name of God. To use His name impiously is blasphemy. Uh, and so, although that that 
commandment uh, is not reiterated verbatim in the New Testament. Prohibitions against blasphemy are, uh, and we need to be careful about that. Colossians 3 verse 8 says, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. So we're warned not to blaspheme, and to blaspheme is to use the name of God in an impious, disrespectful way. I tell you, uh, the name of God is used all the time in disrespectful ways. Uh, and uh, the, uh, as we mentioned earlier, it is sort of the favorite word to use if you're surprised or upset or hurt or offended. Uh, people coming out with God's name, people who are not religious at all want to use God's name in vain. And, and that, I think... Is you know again the New Testament does say thou shalt not use uh, what's it say uh, uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain Ephesians twenty verse seven that phrase is not found exactly in the New Testament but we are warned about blasphemy and and that's what taking the name of God in vain is it's blasphemy all right I wonder if there's other ways that we can blaspheme God without taking His name in vain what do you think do you think well, some folks uh, want to blame God for maybe certain evils in the world or um, maybe get bitter against God and say things against him that they shouldn't say. Is that uh, Would that be the equivalent of blasphemy? They were, doing, they were saying such about the Holy Spirit uh, that, you know, they were saying maybe, things against maybe the Holy I, Spirit. I don't know. I guess, I guess we'd have to work on the definition. You know, Job in the Old Testament had some harsh things to say against God. I don't think God ever... Uh, charged him with blasphemy, but he but he corrected him uh, wrong nonetheless sternly yeah. for speaking disrespectfully of him. But I, I, again, disrespect, impious use of yeah. God's name uh, is blasphemy. We got to avoid yeah. it. It's very common in our society. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Maybe folks are afraid to talk tonight. Uh, we gotta, use your tongue in a good way. Give us a call. Okay. The next this next statement we want to deal with is corrupt communications. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Corrupt communication uh, is, is something to be avoided. Thayer says it's rotten, putrid, not fit for use, worthless. Well, that covered a lot. Of, that covered a lot of territory. Yeah, it did. You, you think about curse words. We you talk about coarse slang. I actually think that euphemisms would fit in here. We're going to talk about euphemisms in a minute, but I think euphemisms would would probably fit in that of corrupt, not fit for use, good for nothing, worthless speech, corrupt communication. Yeah. All right, uh, Kent in his email says, uh, corrupt communication meaning crude, foul, base, low, worthless, evil, putrid, or rotten. Such suggest impure thoughts of one speaking uh, being transferred to the mind of one listening, Ephesians 4, verse 29. And so he says that uh, what you're doing is you're taking these evil thoughts or bad, rotten, putrid thoughts in your mind, and you're transferring those to the minds of others, and certainly... We need to think about the impact of some of these things that we're talking about tonight on others. Uh, if if, I, if I'm speaking these things, what's the effect of the one who is listening? He references Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Uh, so uh, is my speech... Causing others is it for good think? or bad? Well, yeah. what's it causing them to think? Is yeah. it is it making their mental uh, condition better or worse yeah. by the way that I talk? Um, another Greek scholar says that it means rotten, that which provides no good service. So, actually, I think this is setting a pretty high bar for us. I need to. It's not just. I, I should not be content with words that are indifferent. Because that very well could do harm. I should take this high bar, as you said, that which ministered grace to the hearers. I, whatever I say, it ought to be such that it has the capacity to do good and no harm. Yeah. yeah. I say, hey, Kyle, did you hear that 
nasty joke. Yeah, now, now I'm thinking things I shouldn't, and not, and Kyle is as well. Uh, and we need to think about that. Let's let's take that in the next the next category of things: filthiness, foolish talking, jesting. From Ephesians five verse four, uh, fornication, all uncleanness. This is Ephesians five, beginning verse three. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Um, so filthiness involves obscenity, all that's contrary to purity. Of course, that would that would include a lot of what we take in by TV and the movies. Uh-huh. And of course, the danger in that, as we mentioned earlier, is that we have the we have the tendency to sort of grow calloused toward that sort of thing. It wears us down. Um, uh, it, coarse, offensive language, dirty, off-color jokes, vulgarity in general. Thayer says this would be especially noteworthy of someone who would take an innocent command, or excuse me, an innocent comment or remark and make something vulgar, suggestive, or crude out of it. I think all of us have had occasion to be around people like that who take who would take just some innocent comment and then try to make something crude out of it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That's you're, you're the, the idea here. Yeah, folks that want to make a little joke about something and just their mind is in places it shouldn't be and it comes out in their mouth. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's kind of interesting that we think that that might be a a modern day evolution. In other words. That's something that people in the modern day have because of the media. But or. but Paul Paul's defining it right there, and it was obviously a problem in that day as well. We haven't come across anything new. We just have modern applications of it, but we're still doing the same things with our mouths that people, people always are. did, and not being careful about what they say. All right, they were making these uh, these this, this jesting and so forth. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, did, yeah, Kent says uh, filthiness, language that is base or, and or obscene, foolish talking, language that results from a lack of proper thought concerning spiritual things, such as godless speech without forethought and wisdom, jesting. This does not refer to innocent and harmless humorous speaking, but rather this term refers to the to usage of language that is easily turned into immoral language that is worldly humor, joking that is time-serving. Such could also be used regarding a sly question, a smart answer, or a clever retort used in a sinful or lustful manner. I think that's a good uh, distinction that Kemp makes there. When when the Bible condemns jesting, it's not that's not a condemnation of you know being jovial, telling a, a clean joke, laughing and enjoying that sort of humor. That's not bad. Uh, this this is when someone would take that and turn it into something crude. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's grab our last break, Jacob. When we come back, we've got a couple more here to cover, and then we want to talk more specifically about euphemism. All right. We're going to talk about that important subject as we go to the top of the hour. You'll want to be here. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may not have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stop sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in the line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of church, Sunday Bible study, Sunday morning and evening worship, and Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about 1.5 years total. That's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? The context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing? Christian, how are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The way Americans engage with the Bible is changing. 
Though most Bible users, 91%, still prefer to use a print version of the Bible when engaging with Scripture, an equal number, 92%, report using another Bible format than print in the past year. Use of technology-related formats are all on the rise. More than half of users now search for Bible content on the Internet, 55%, or a smartphone, 53%, and another 43% use a Bible app on their phones. That information is via Barna.com. The Word of God says in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. All right, we're back. Going to the top of the hour talking about controlling our tongue and the things that we need to avoid as we control our tongue, that member that cannot be tamed. Uh, it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And so we've got to be careful in how we use it. All right. Um, the next word, we, we talked about lying, blasphemy, corrupt communication, filthiness, f- uh, foolish talking and jesting. There's a, there's a word in these verses that we've been looking at called clamor. Ephesians 4:31. let all bitterness, wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word clamor. Uh, that's kind of an interesting translation there. Thayer says it's a word that denotes a crying out or an outcry. And it denotes someone who is a constant complainer. He's just, oh, oh, woe is me. He's crying out all the time. That's the idea of clamor. We would probably use the word here murmuring more so than the word clamoring. Uh, uh, and, uh, but it's the idea of complaining. Paul said, Philippians 2, verse 14, beginning, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So this this word clamor is, is, is along lines and synonymous with the notion of murmuring and complaining. Well, we're easy to do that. Absolutely. And, and it needs to be avoided. Uh, now, there's... There, legitimate criticism uh, uh, uh specifying situations that need improvement all that we understand that there's a place for that but there are some people who are just inclined to complain yes they're not really doing it with a view toward correcting the problem they just like to complain and maybe they don't even know how how prolific it is in their life but, yeah. yeah we sort of get in a in a habit of being complainers or clamorers yeah and we got to work on that yeah uh, and then uh, the last one in this list is evil speaking. That's that same verse, Ephesians 4, 31. All, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, evil speaking, this is kind of interesting because this comes from the same word that we talked about earlier. This is the word blasphemia. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking earlier how it almost always it uh, has to do with deity, speaking against deity. Uh, but in a more general way, and this is a more general use, it is speech to injure. Uh, so uh, if I speak evil and disrespectfully of deity, that's certainly blaspheming. But here, just evil speaking is speech that's designed to hurt or injure. Uh you ever been around a bad dog? Yeah. And you know what a bad dog does? He circles around behind you, and he tries to catch you from behind. I, I know when I was a kid, I got bit by the neighbor's dog. And and that's what he did. I knew he was a bad dog, and I knew he was around. But he he slyly snuck around from behind, and, boy, he caught me from behind before I even knew he was there. You know, he was, he was intent on getting a piece of me. Uh, well, this idea of evil speaking, that, that would be sort of, uh, an illustration of what this would involve. Someone who's looking for a chance to say something that will be hurtful. Evil speaking. Yes, uh, Kent says, uh, evil speaking is that word blasphemy, which is also, was previously addressed. The only difference here is the application earlier as discussed in Mark 3, 20 through, through 29, such applied to that of deity. In this usage, it means the same with a broader application that applies to humanity, such as the evil speaking as it relates to the good name of another individual. Um, and so 
he says that uh, that's the idea of speaking evil of someone else. Yeah, exactly. Maybe smear their name or do some things like that. Exactly right. Okay. And then the final one we had on our list was gossip and slander. Uh, and uh, we, that probably maybe should have been higher on the list. There's no, there's no specific uh, order of priority there in concerning those sins. But I'm going to tell you, gossip is a huge problem. Now, this would be, I think, gossiping is more, you, you talked earlier about age-related sins of the tongue. I do think that gossip pertains more so to older folks than younger. Younger yeah. might have some of these other problems we've been talking about. But certainly older people for sure, I think all people, but older people for sure, uh, can certainly slip off into gossip. Yeah. Um, Psalm 101, verse 5, Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. That's what God said about it. God does not want us slandering a neighbor. First uh, Timothy 5, verse 13, learn, uh, Some learn to be idle. They wander about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also, busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Yes. First uh, Thessalonians 4, verse 11, Study to be quiet, to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Yes. Um, so, I mean, there's just, uh, you get the idea that we slip into gossip when we're not busy doing positive things uh, and allow ourselves to be idle. Uh, lots, uh, probably you, those of you who are listening have seen through the years lots of articles about gossip in church bulletins and so forth. And I like when they so, sort of pose a list of self-test questions. Um, and I've I got a list here of four that I got somewhere. Do I tell or listen to something uncomplimentary about someone for the purpose of being entertained by it? Do I like to get dirt on someone else? Uh, do I do I like to to hear and tell these things in order to build up my own ego? Do I gossip to get revenge? Do I gossip in order to have something to say or hear? You know, some people just like to be in the loop. They like to be the first one to reveal some bit of information and they get some kind of a thrill out of doing that if those things suggest the motivation for which i'm speaking then i I need to get over that now it is interesting the point you made there and it's worth repeating that gossip is tied to idleness in both first thessalonians 5 and uh and uh first second first to me chapter 5 and uh second thessalonians chapter what was it? The first, ten, first Thessalonians four, four eleven. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's interesting. These widows would be idle, wandering about from house to house, and busybodies, speaking things that they uh, should not. Um, and then uh, these guys who weren't working, uh, they would become uh, busybodies. We need to maybe uh, take the antidote to this idea of gossip and get busy. Yeah. And maybe that's why some of the the older folks have more of a problem with gossip. So. There's not a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, so why not get on the phone and talk to Sister So-and-so about what Brother So-and-so said and gossip a little bit here? Yeah, yeah. it can certainly happen. Okay. Uh, Kent in Georgia says gossip or slander comes from the Greek word dia- diabol- diabolos. I'm not yeah. probably not saying that. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, he says it has reference to false accusations, innuendos, and criticisms. He references Second Timothy three three and Titus two verse three. Yes. Okay. So we definitely can go to work on correcting gossip. You know, one of the great ways to defeat gossip is simply not to receive it, uh, and I think that's important. We should not. In other words, if if I'm a bad gossip. You can short circuit that. Um, uh, now it's not necessarily correcting the, my problem, but at least in reference to you, if you say stop, I don't want to hear that. That's gossip. Don't tell it. Uh, if you if you treat me that way, at least in regards to you, I, I, I'll be short circuited in my efforts to gossip. Well, you know, the other thing is, you know, what you hear tends to go into your mind and come out in your speech, and that's the same with gossip. You know, if I hear a juicy tidbit, then it's going to be tempting for me not to want to repeat it. Yeah. If I don't have any of those juicy tidbits to speak, then I'm not going to be tempted to gossip. By the way, uh, because I hear Christians saying this, 
if if someone said, well, you shouldn't be saying that. That's gossip. Well, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> well, the, the fact that it's true doesn't necessarily prove that it's, it's not, not your free gossip. pass. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Real quickly, we're just going to be out of time here in a minute. What about euphemisms? Uh, and I don't want to say any euphemisms, but uh, um, uh, Kent's got a good definition here. He says a euphemism is correctly defined as a substitution of an agreeable or inoffensive expression that is used to express an offensive concept. While the term may not within itself be wrong due to the fact that the concept being communicated is wrong, we must never use the substitute word in an expression of the concept being communicated. Such amounts to tone down improper speaking or outright profanity. Uh, and so someone might not be, for instance, all my life I've been, I've known that I'm not supposed to take the name of God in vain. I mean, we, we drill that into our kids. And, but there are several euphemisms. And, and again, I don't really want to say them on, uh, on the program, but I think everybody who's listening knows what we're talking about. Words that are used to substitute for the name of God. Yes. Because they don't want to say the name of God in vain, but they'll say one of these euphemisms, and it has the same impact. Uh, Somehow or another, I think people think they're okay if they're not actually saying the words. But if my intention is to convey the same meaning and dodge the responsibility or accountability by using a euphemism, uh, I have not succeeded. So as Christians, and by the way, if, if, if you are... If if you have some doubt of the kind of words we're talking about when we talk about euphemisms, uh, you can Google that. Google a, li- a, uh, a list of euphemisms. And you might find that you are actually using some of those expressions that came from that background. Yeah. And you might not have even known it. And, and so you might have some cleaning up to do in, in your speech pattern. You might have been using some, some word that was initially designed... To substitute for a bad word so that you can say it and have the same meaning without actually saying the bad word. And, here, and it is, as Kent said, it's profanity. And, well, and here's the thing. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. That's just what I, well, it doesn't matter if I didn't mean it that way. If people are going to potentially take it that way, I don't want to come across as yeah. having, having that impression that I was using the Lord's name in vain yeah. or yeah. anywhere close to that. And, and I got to tell you, this is another area where we, if we hear it, Frequently, our resistance to it is is toned down. I know some expressions that I heard all the time when I was a kid that still pop up in, in uh, you know in my mind uh, just because I heard it so often. And so we got to be careful about that. Dwight says euphemisms are as wrong as the word they are replacing. I think that's right. I think that's right. Some people say, "Oh, that's just innocent." Well, if it's innocent, then you don't have to. In other words, if you think it's innocent. Then you pro- that would seem to indicate you could do without it. You could, you know, uh, take so the high road. Take the high road. Don't don't go there. Uh, I think we understand that words have meanings, and those words have a meaning. And it's a euphemism. It's it's meant to substitute for something you shouldn't say. So just don't say that either. The name of God, or maybe some curse word, or yeah. uh, that people are you know, don't. I won't say the word, but I'll say a word that starts with the same letter or. Has Sounds, the same general sort of rhymes with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so be careful. All right, Kyle. Thoughts from you tonight? Uh, we should have looked your way a little sooner. No, it's it's it was a good program. I think it's uh, um, which I when I first saw the subject, I was like, it's a, just out of the you know what Jesus said. What comes out of the body is what defiles. I think we we think we're defiling ourselves. What shows our inner self whenever we speak the things that we speak. So we just need to watch that. So. Really, exactly right. Uh, remind again what Jesus said, Matthew twelve. By thy words, thou shalt be justified. By thy words, thou shalt be condemned. All right, Dwight has a good one to wrap us up here. And this is, boy, this is very prevalent in the world today, but not in speech. It's prevalent in our text message. We ought to probably have a whole subject on that. You, you, you can use your thumbs instead of your tongue these days, and you got to use the same caution with your thumbs as and you would so with your Dwight tongue. And so Dwight has mentioned in the chat room uh, three letters that are used constantly to substitute for taking God's name in vain. I think everybody who is on the Internet at all knows what those three letters are. He says they use that thinking it's a little less bad. Yeah. It's not. 
but to, yeah, I mean, it's a good a good point. We uh, thank you, Dwight, for that. Uh, we do we got to think about what we're typing these days. But what a problem! Now that that was not a problem of the first century, exactly. But it is a problem today. They, they did not have cell phones in the first century. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, we, we need to be careful there. All right. Good discussion tonight. Kyle, thanks for being here. That's good to be here. Dad, thanks for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being on the other end of the line, and we hope you benefit from our study discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.